Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! I am the voice of the voiceless. Do I have everybody's attention now? Sorry about your damn luck. I deserve one more match. It's going to be the end of the world as you know it. And welcome back, folks, to another electric edition of WrestleRant Radio right here on EC Radio. This is your host with the most Bleacher Report featured columnist Graham G.S.M. Matthews. I apologize for the excessive extended absence of sound at the start of the broadcast. I'm, I believe we're having some technical difficulties. I was going to play the uh, audio of last night's main event for Monday Night Raw when CM Punk and Daniel Bryan paired up to take on the Shield in handicap action. What a great match that was. But uh, nonetheless, aside from that, it's been uh, it's been a great day to hear, great day here, right at Endicott Campus, November twelfth, two thousand and thirteen, right here on Wrestle Rant Radio. We're gonna be breaking it down for you in the world of wrestling, all the way from this past Saturday night's New England Championship Wrestling event, Double Intensity, which I attended right here in Beverly, Mass. A mile down from where the college is at the Cove Community Center. So if you have yet to attend, I strongly suggest you do so. It's a great time. Um, I'm going to be talking about that, my experience at the show this past Saturday night, as well as Monday Night Raw last night live on the USA Network and Survivor Series only less than two weeks away. And even more importantly, Thanksgiving a little over two weeks away. One of my favorite holidays of the year. You get to eat it up. That's only a little over two weeks away. We have one more show of WrestleRant Radio before we take a brief break, before we come back in the month of December. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be amazing. But nonetheless, let's kick it off. Even before I get into the... Uh, my uh, my review of New England Championship Wrestling. Let's get right down to the plugs here. And of course, above all else, happy belated Veterans Day to those who served our country. Um, of course, it was Veterans Day right here in the United States yesterday. So nice themed edition of Raw, even, you know, albeit it was in the United Kingdom, but even still, um, a very um, patriotic edition of Raw, I guess you could say. But nonetheless, let's let's plug and let me have my shameless plugs here real quick before we kick off the wrestling talk. Make sure to check out nextarawrestling.weebly.com, my website, where you can check out my reviews of Monday Night Raw, WWE SmackDown, NXT, main event, you name it, I review it. It's all on the website, all that and much, much more. That's also where you can listen to this show. Um, there's a way of getting to the website. It's a little confusing, but I do have a direct link from my website. If you scroll down the homepage a little bit, underneath the articles, you will see a link for my WrestleRant radio show. There's a homepage on the on Next Era Wrestling, as well as a direct link to where you can listen to the show. It's a little pop-up. From what i found, you can actually listen better to the show. If it's not working on your PC, you can listen to the show on your mobile device. I found that is better and more effective, so just a little, uh, some advice there. But nonetheless, make sure to check out nextarawrestling.weebly.com. Just a little plug here for something that's not related with me at all. Make sure to check out psychosociety.net. My friend Kyle runs that website. Um, a lot of wrestling talk going on there. They actually run live on Tuesday nights, right? You know, same night as me, at seven o'clock Eastern time, not nine, seven o'clock, right before this show. So make sure to check that out. It's always a fun time with those guys running down Raw and everything else going on in the world of wrestling, much like I do. So, uh, Aside from that, while you're on the topic of Next Era Wrestling, while you're on the website, go to the event photos. You can check out my photos from the New England Championship Wrestling event that I attended this past Saturday night right here in Beverly. So all the photos from that show, the last NECW show that I attended last month, um, the Elkamania show that I reviewed last week, my photos from that, and much, much more dating back, I believe, to 2009. Um, a lot of wrestling venues and events that I've attended over the years are all up there in exclusive photos, so check those out. 
Make sure to check out my official podcast, WrestleRant Radio in podcast version, at WrestleRantRadio.podbean.com for my exclusive interviews with the likes of Jeremy Prophet, Jason Rumble, Tough Talk Tony Spencer, the maniacal Jack Kruger, and many, many more. So make sure to check that out. And also, you can download the official app for the podcast. Just go to WrestleRantRadio.Podbean.com on your mobile device, on Safari, not Chrome, and go to the little arrow and download it to your mobile device. You'll be notified of when new podcasts are uploaded. Just a little shortcut to the official app of WrestleRant Radio. Also, listen to the official, uh, what was it, the rerun of WrestleRant Radio. When you're not listening live on Tuesday nights at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, you can listen live on Saturday nights at 8 o'clock Eastern Time, 7 Central Time, right here, same website. And of course, make sure to check out my official Facebook page. Make sure to give it a like at Graham GSM Matthews. A little thumbs up there. Always appreciate the support. Make sure to do the same for my Bleach Report articles. Just go to BleachReport.com, the wrestling section, the old wrestling section. Search up Graham GSM Matthews and check out all my latest work. And go to YouTube as well and subscribe to me there. I'm all over the place. As always, Graham, GSM Matthews, like my videos, give it a comment, give me a subscription, appreciate it all. But without further ado, we'll move into Monday Night Raw from this past week, live from the, oh not necessarily live, but it was from the United Kingdom, from only Manchester, a great uh, environment, an electric environment, from Monday Night Raw last night, um, really, really enjoyed it. Oh, actually, even before we get to Raw, um... Let me discuss a few things. I, I, even before I was going to get to Raw, I was going to talk my, about my experience from New England Championship Wrestling. I don't know how I forgot about that, but even before we get to all that, the plugs are out of the way. Before we get to the reviewing of the shows, let's bring up a few news items here. Usually I save this stuff until the end of the show, but I think they're two very important things, so I kind of want to get them out of the way now. But it was announced on, I think, Saturday. No, I think it was Friday. My computer's malfunctioning here, so... uh I might not be able to get it up. Yes, it was Saturday. No, it wasn't, actually. I read about it on Saturday. It happened on Friday. Cassius Ono, a.k.a. Chris Hero, from the independent scene, was released from WWE. Um, for those of you that watch NXT on Hulu+, Plus, or you stream it on some other website like I do, um, you will better know him as Cassius Ono. He's been in the WWE for approximately two years now. He wrestled a great match against Luke Harper last week was on the losing end of that, and then was terminated from his contract just a few days later. Cassius Ono went on a uh, long streak of silence for a number of days until updating his Facebook Facebook page just yesterday. Um, I'll read a brief excerpt here. Um, He said, and I quote, Maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't heard. Last Friday, my contract with WWE was terminated. Man, terminated sounds so harsh, right? To me, it conjures up images of post acolytic wars with robots, machine guns, and atomic bombs. No thank you. Merriam-Webster defines terminate as to come to an end in time. Okay, that's a little less dramatic. I can handle that. For the last 21 months, I've lived in Florida as a part of WWE's developmental system. That time has now come to an end. There are a lot of ways I can look at this, and honestly, it won't serve me at all to be anything but positive and optimistic. I could sulk. I could point fingers. I could feel sorry for myself. Or I could channel all my energy into getting back out there, kicking some ass, and taking things to the next level. Once upon a time, a close friend of mine named Claudio Castagnoli, I apologize, folks, it's Antonio Cesaro, I completely botched that, was released from WWE. Another good friend, Colt Cabana, got his walking papers. The best in the world, Brian Danielson, got his contract terminated twice. These three guys are all crazy talented on all accounts, are doing rather well for themselves. Now, right, eh? I'm leaving WWE on good terms, so if it's meant to be, I'm sure I will be back. If it's not meant to be, I can guarantee you that I will be still trotting all over the globe doing what I love and what I'm damn good at at the highest level possible. That's just a brief brief excerpt, folks, of what he said on his Facebook page, I believe on Monday. It goes on and on. But um, even still, just in a nutshell, very positive attitude, very positive mindset from Chris Hero, Cash Sono, whatever you want to call him, the king of the indies, um, after being released from WWE, because all too often we see a lot of people released from FCW, NXT, whatever you may have it, and go off on a bitter rant 
on either on Twitter or social networking or on radio shows. They just talk trash about WWE, about NXT, their developmental system, build them up, you name it, they bash it. So thankfully, um, Cassius Ona was not among those that have bashed WWE in his first post comments from leaving the company which leave the doors open to a potential return down the line. I would love to see him back. Personally, I was never a huge fan of Cassius Ono. I preferred Cesaro to Ono. I know those two were a great tag team in the Kings of Wrestling down in Ring of Honor a number of years ago, one of the best tag teams in the world at the time. But um, and, and it's a shame those two were never able to work together. Because Cesaro, um, I I believe these two were signed by WWE in September of 2011. And Cesaro was promoted to the main roster the following April. So mere months later, Cesaro was brought up. And then Cassius Ono appeared on NXT when it was rebranded the following June. So those two were never able to work together. I don't know if they worked together in FCW. I know they sure as hell didn't work together on the main roster. But um, it is a shame that he has parted ways with WWE. I don't know if he dug his own grave here, and not what he said here, but um, there was a report circulating, I believe, this past summer, I want to say in July, that uh, he wasn't in shape and he wasn't um, adhering to the advice of Triple H and other officials down in NXT to get in shape and that they didn't like his image or something like that. So they took him off TV indefinitely. He didn't return until late September in a match against Luke Harper. He lost. He got a rematch against Harper just last week on NXT and came up short, and it was a great matchup. And unfortunately, that was his last matchup in WWE. So like I said, hopefully we see him back in WWE at some point. But it is sad to see him go. A tremendous amount of potential from that guy. But um, even still, now that he's free agent now on the uh, pro wrestling market, hopefully we see him either back with Ring of Honor or the uh, Dragon Gate promotion or anything else doing what he does best. And as he said, what he's damn good at, at professional wrestling. The second news item that I wanted to bring up here... I do have a clip, but like I said earlier, my computer is being a complete biatch right now, and it's malfunctioning, so um, let's see if this is working. Let's see here. I'm going to try playing this and see. Fingers crossed, people. Let's see. Yeah, it's not going. Uh, Let's see here. I'm pressing play. It's from YouTube, so YouTube sucks nowadays, so it's not surprising. I don't think it's my internet connection. I don't know what it is. But regardless, um, it was a video of The Miz turning heel last week during WWE's tour of Europe. Um, coincidentally enough, it was it, it's a quite interesting video. It was only a minute or so long, so it's it's no real loss if I don't play it. But um, my God, my computer's really messing with me right now. I don't know what's going on. But anyway, um, it was during the tour of Europe last week. I believe they're still in Europe now. But um, I believe they were in Belfast or wherever may have you. And The Miz was scheduled to go one-on-one with Kofi Kingston. Before the matchup, he took the mic and was saying how he's been beat to a bloody pulp over the last few months at the hands of The Big Show and Randy Orton and the Wyatt family, how everyone in the crowd, regardless of who he's up against, they would always cheer for his opponent. It's sad, but it's true. So he spoke the truth and subsequently turned heel in the process. So it's been brought to my attention, though, that the WWE was short on heels on this tour. So hence the reason why they turned Miz heel for his matches against Kingston on the tour. So I guess that makes sense. But um, being the misfit that I am, I'm a little torn on if this is true or not. I mean, it is true, of course. It happened. There's video footage. I'm not denying that it, that it happened. But um, And then The Miz worked a Superstars match this past week. Yes, Superstars. It still exists, people. Against uh, the Primetime Players or the Great Kali or something like Some garbage match like that. And Superstars this past week uh, set to air this Friday internationally. But um, even still, um, my thoughts on The Miz heel turn? Well, I have had a lot of people ask me this. I've addressed this numerous times before on my Facebook page. So shameless plug. Check on my Facebook page for more comments and our pro wrestling discussion but anyway being the misfit that i am and i have been a misfit for quite a long time dating back to five years ago almost exactly five years ago but um it's very interesting that i talk about this today because it was one year ago today november 12th um yes november 12th 2012 that the miz turned face for the first time in his wwe career when he tagged him with kane on an episode of raw in his hometown of uh ohio against the team of the road scholars and he's been a face ever since now, a lot of people were high on the idea when he first turned face, and uh, 
because it was something fresh. At the time, if you remember, he wasn't doing anything at all. He came back from filming a movie earlier in the year. And remember, even before that, after he lost the WWE title, um, shortly after WrestleMania 27, he wasn't doing anything. I mean, he had that whole awesome truth thing going with uh, R-Truth for the latter half of 2011. But aside from that, he wasn't doing, they weren't doing jack crap with him at all. Which is a shame because this guy's tremendously talented. He can do a lot for the company. He does a heck of a lot of media for them all the time. So it's a shame that they weren't using him to his full potential. He was on a massive losing streak from, I believe, December of 2011 to April of 2012. So four straight months this guy's this guy was losing matches. And then he disappeared from television, came back, won the IC title, had a crappy reign with that title. And then he came back, or, or then he dropped that and turned face shortly thereafter, which I think is for the best because um, it was something new for him. I think he can work a crowd. He has great mic skills, and uh, he had that whole bully campaign thing going for him because, of course, as the story goes, he was hazed quite a bit back in his day when he was rising the ranks or yeah, rising the ranks. I don't know, making his making his way up the ranks in the WWE. <coughs> And uh, he was being hazed by the likes of JBL. He had people um, kicking him out of the locker room and so on and so forth. You've heard it all before. Don't want to kick a dead horse here. But um, I thought that could work to his benefit if he was a babyface. I mean, it came off as whiny when he was a heel. But as a babyface, it could help build sympathy for him. I mean, I hate to say it, but yeah, it could help build sympathy for his character and help people get behind him. It never worked out that way. Um, I don't know. He gets good reactions as a face. And... Some might, some nights more than others, not really in the smarky crowds. Um, he's been booed by the likes of Chicago and Canada. Um, you know, it's not surprising. But, um, you know, e- even still, though, I think The Miz has tremendous potential to face. I think it's more so WWE's fault rather than The Miz's fault for why he's been booked so badly over the last year. This guy hasn't been involved in anything notable. I mean, granted, he's been involved in a few title feuds with the likes of Antonio Cesaro and Wade Barrett, but the, both of those flopped. The feud with Cesaro was lackluster. The feud with Barrett was completely one-sided. Miz won almost all of the matches, and his title reign was only a day long. That's all it was. He won it at Mania, and then he lost it the next night on Raw. It was ridiculous. But, um, yeah, I think WWE, It was. It, I think it's mostly their fault for why Miz's face run flopped. I mean, in all honesty, I mean, they, they didn't do jack squat with this guy while he was face. And he still is face, I believe, to this day. He hasn't officially turned heel. I think that was only for the live tour last week. But um, I don't think they should turn him heel. Because like I said, before he turned face, he wasn't doing anything as a heel. He was being jobbed to the likes of Randy Orton, John Cena, Sheamus, everybody, everybody. I don't want to see him go back to being a heel. Last week, I wrote a, an article on Bleacher Report, Five Guys That Miz... Five Guys, you know, a great restaurant, by the way. I went there for dinner last week before the NECW show. But um, anyway, I wrote an article on Five Guys That The Miz Should Face As A Heel in WWE. That is, if he was to turn heel. I included the likes of... I mean, this is hard to come up with a list because he's faced almost everybody. I don't want to see Miz versus Cena for the upteenth time if he was to turn heel anytime soon. But anyway, um, for the five guys I wrote that The Miz Should Face, I put... Rob Van Dam, Chris Jericho, um, who else did I put? Dolph Ziggler, Christian, and God, who else did I put? Um, I can't remember. Who was it? Um, I don't know, R-Truth? It wasn't R-Truth. I don't know, it was somebody else. But uh, most of those guys were inactive. So maybe, no, was it Tyson Kidd? Uh, I don't know who I put. Yeah, I don't know. I think the Miz and Ziggler feud can be entertaining if Miz was a heel and Ziggler was a, was a face. Um, those two had excellent matches on main event, Raw and SmackDown last year, even as early as this year as uh, the old school Raw episode where they had a fantastic matchup. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but I think that feud could work if Miz was heel. But aside from that, this guy has no reason to turn heel. Um, I think he's better off as a face right now. Like I said before, he gets good reactions. He was beyond stale as a heel. It might feel fresh if, they, if he turns heel again sometime soon, but I think it's been way too short. you got to give him more time to get over as a face. Put him in a world title picture. Don't waste him away by having him get knocked out every week. And that's the problem. WWE books him like garbage. He gets knocked out by Big Show. He gets kidnapped by the Wyatt family. He gets beaten down in his hometown at the hands of Randy Orton. I mean, of course the fans don't care about him. If he's getting his ass handed to him every single week... Of course they're not going to care about him. I mean, it's, it's it's common sense. 
that um that they're not going to give two craps about this guy if they completely bury him on a weekly basis. The same guy who main evented WrestleMania 27 two years ago and successfully retained his WWE Championship against John Cena, no less. So that's it for my discussion on The Miz, but in short, I don't think they should turn him back heel. I think he has great potentials to face as long as they book him correctly. Put him in a good feud with somebody. I don't know. Give him a feud with Del Rio. Give him a feud with The Shield, with Curtis Axel. I don't know. With Dean Ambrose, between the two Ohio natives over the U.S. championship, I wouldn't mind that. Just do something with him. Do something. And Miz TV is okay, but, you know, don't have him uh, use the corny lines and stuff because he's not going to get over like that. Just, you know, be the same guy that he was beforehand, you know, just a little cocky, but still a fan favorite. You know, that's what people like about The Miz. And he can't be obnoxious at times. I can see why people may not like The Miz and why he could be easily hateable, but I've been a misfit for the last five years. Heel or face, I'm still going to be a fan of him regardless, but I still think there's a lot more potential in a Miz face run right now than a heel Miz. <clears throat> so we'll move on from there. For New England Championship Wrestling, double intensity. I don't know if that was a playoff, double indemnity. Um, I watched that in my media aesthetics class a couple weeks ago. It's a great movie, by the way. Check it out. Definitely a classic, but I digress. Moving on, New England Championship Wrestling. This past Saturday night... On November 9th, 2013, right here in Beverly, like I mentioned before, the Cove Community Center. Now, if you're listening to this live from Endicott College, then you will know that the Cove Community Center is only maybe a mile down the road from where the college is. So it doesn't take, their, it doesn't take long to get there at all, maybe a minute or so. Really, really quick. So I would highly suggest going to checking out a show. I believe the next show is on December 6th. I'm looking to attend. I had a blast this past Saturday, and that's what I'm going to get into right now. Um, we had a lot of good matches. I don't know if I'll go through every match, but we had the Masshole Mike McCarthy on the show again. He was originally scheduled to face Johnny Idol. I don't think that was who he ended up facing. He faced this guy that looked like a Triple H wannabe. Even his tights said DX on him, D-Generation X, or from what it looked like, from what I saw. But um, it, it was a good matchup to kick off the show. The Masshole, I have a guilty pleasure for that guy. He reminds me a lot of CM Punk. Very original gimmick. I mean... Come on, the masshole. That's a sick name. Don't you can't sit you can't sit there and look at me in the eye and tell me that the masshole is not an awesome name. That's a kick-ass wrestling name. That's gonna get him a lot of heat. This guy's a great heel. I mean, legit. Listen to this. In the first few minutes of the matchup, this, there's this little girl sitting on the opposite side of the ring from where I was sitting, and she was making some mannerisms or yelling towards uh, Mike McCarthy, the masshole. And Mike McCarthy did not approve of that one bit. He went outside of the ring and yelled at her and made her cry. And this girl's maybe, I don't know, six or seven years old. I thought it was hilarious. It's, it's heel gold right now. How, how often do you get to score something like that? How often do you see in WWE or TNA, you see a heel wrestler make a little child cry? That rarely ever happens nowadays. That was awesome. That was a straight-up awesomeness for Mike McCarthy. And another thing, too, you can't sit there and tell me that the chant, masshole, masshole, wouldn't get over huge of the crowd. I mean, granted, it's a little reminiscent of Goldberg, but come on. You can't see, you, you can't hear, or you can't see people chanting, masshole, at a live event for either WWE or TNA. I mean, come on. WWE, if you're listening, get on this guy. Get on this guy. If you're too stupid to do so, then TNA, hire this guy. Or even ROH, I don't care. Get this guy on a bigger platform. This guy's money. He went over in the opening matchup, but that was not the last time we saw of him. Oh, no. He appeared later on in a matchup between Johnny Thunder and the Hornet, who called himself the the international superstar. This guy looked like Jay Uso. He came out in a, what was it, a kilt? Not, not a kilt. I don't know. Whatever the Usos wear. Um, a dress, I don't know. Whatever it's called. He might have been Samoan, I'm not really sure. The matchup between the Hornet, who I haven't seen before this night, or hadn't seen before this night, had a good matchup with Johnny Thunder, but Mike McCarthy came out. He was watching Johnny Thunder, and may I remind you, the last time that we were in Beverly, or NECW was in Beverly, rather, they, he contended for the television championship. And remember, Johnny Thunder is a television champion, is a television champion at the moment. He put the gold on the line against the Hornet in this matchup. And Mike McCarthy just came out the scout. He looked to interfere a little bit. He uh, started brawling with the Hornet on the outside. He knocked him out cold. And out of nowhere, out comes Jason Rumble. 
Now, Jason Rumble and Mike McCarthy have a long history together. The last time they were at NECW, they started brawling outside the ring during the triple threat match, got themselves counted out. And Johnny Rumble, or I'm sorry, yeah, Johnny Rumble, or no, no, I'm sorry, Johnny Thunder ended up retaining his television championship via countout. So the bad blood spilled over to this show. Jason Rumble just went rampant, just ran rampant all over Mike McCarthy. He, he threw on the figure four leg lock on him. He threw his legs against the guardrail. He smashed his leg open with a chair. It was horrific. And the best part about it all was I was sitting right there. He did it right in front of me. Right on our side of the ring, it was fantastic. So when these shows eventually go to YouTube, and that's another thing I suggest doing too, um, New England Championship Wrestling, they announced the show that over the course of 2013, or over the course of 2012, they had 30,000 hits on YouTube. In 2013, over the last 11 months, they've had 1.7 million YouTube views. That's amazing. Congrats to them. But make sure to check them out on YouTube. Um, they do do shows that air on television. I believe on 1230, uh, 12.30 in the morning on Thursday nights or Friday Friday mornings. So check that out. I'm not exactly sure what channel. It's something you have to do. You have to be in the Boston area in order to watch it, I think. But they also air the repeats on YouTube. That's where I check it out. And you can see me more often than not, too, because I was in the last four episodes. But just look up New England Championship Wrestling on YouTube, and uh, it, it's great stuff. I'm not sure when this is going to be airing, but it was a great matchup, great post-match attack from uh, Johnny, from uh, Jason Rumble, and the masshole, Mike McCarthy. Just great stuff, and by far the highlight of the night. Uh, let's see what else we had here. And remember, the last time we were in NECW, we had a tag team match. Or this was a tag team match on this show, but the last time that we were here in NECW, we, the main event was a two out of three count falls match for the NECW championship, the heavyweight title of the world. It was Sean Burke contending for the title, and I'm just, you know, jogging your brains here, people, from the last time I was talking about it. Antonio Thomas dropped the title to Sean Burke after interference from Jeremy Prophet and Genesis. So on this show, Antonio looked to be getting some revenge over Prophet and Genesis. He enlisted the alliance of the asylum, Nick Shepard. Solid tag team match it was. Antonio and Thomas go over here. So, no, I'm sorry, not Antonio Thomas. I'm sorry, Antonio and Nick. Shepard and Thomas, the promised Thomas. So a solid tag, tag team match for what it was. But before I go on here, just want to uh, take a brief break before we continue on with the rest of this New England Championship Wrestling review here. Or Actually, before we wrap it up, just want to talk about these, lo- these uh, last few matches, and then we'll take a break before I go to the Raw review. But uh, we had two championship matches, or we had three title matches. One was a television title match. I already mentioned that. And the last two matches of the show were for the World Women's Wrestling Championship, so the WWW Championship, which pitted the Mistress Belmont versus Alexis. Now, I remember Alexis from a New England champion, or new, from a Northeast Wrestling show that I, uh, show I attended a few years back. She's very good in the ring. She has a good look. Um, she was a heel the last time I saw her. She was a babyface on this show. She was the current champion. But she kicked off the match. She whacked one of... Uh, off Miss Belmont's uh, henchmen, I guess you could call it. She had two women, two women with her at ringside. One I know was uh, Mrs. Lane. I think it was uh, Sarah Lane, Sammy Lane. I think it was Sammy Lane, Miss Sammy Lane. She came out a little later on. She had some redhead with her whose name I have no idea what it was. But uh, she got whacked with a chair right before the matchup, so she was taken out of the equation early. But despite that, Alexis ended up dropping the women's championship to Miss Belmont. Very scary-looking individual. Um, she looks like a witch, so it's very fitting that she's a heel. She got a good pop when she won the championship. It was a good matchup. She got a lot of offense over Alexis. Alexis looked good in defeat. They ended up attacking Alexis after the matchup, so Alexis had to be taken out by officials and referees. So that was a good matchup, much better than most Divas matches that you see nowadays, or knockout matches for that matter, or anything else that you see on the... Uh, and mainstream wrestling nowadays. So that was a good matchup, and I witnessed the crowning of a new women's champion. And of course, in the main event, it was the new NECW heavyweight champion of the world, Sean Burke, Sean Burke putting his championship on the line against Slick Wagner Brown. This guy is crazy over. Crazy over. Um, definitely one of the most over guys that I've seen since I started going to NECW. Um, great charisma, very good in the ring. He pulled out a lot of cool moves that we didn't see last time. 
when he had the match with Bobby Ocean on on last month's show. Um, he did a lot of high aerial maneuvers at the crowd and specifically I popped for so great stuff. The matchup didn't last long though. It ended in a no contest after interference from Jeremy Prophet, Genesis. We had Nick Shepard come in. We had Antonio make the save. So it was just chaos involving the six involving these six competitors to close out the show. Going all over the place. They went into the audience. They went in the ring. They went onto the stage. We had a band playing during intermission. So that was cool. I didn't really care for it because I'm not a metal rockhead fan. I'm I'm a rock band fan, but I'm not a metal fan. And that's me. That's basically what they were doing. And the and the lyrics of their songs didn't make any sense either. But who listens to lyrics nowadays anyway? So I digress. So anyway, to close out the show, we had this huge brawl, this Pier Six brawl, as CM Punk would say. And then, uh, and then uh, we had Slick Wagner Brown getting on the mic, addressing Mr. Sean Burke one last time, hitting, hitting him in the head with a microphone and closing out the show for us there. So I believe we might see a rematch between Brown and Burke, either at next month's show on December 6th or maybe at some point in the near future. So he gets another shot at the NECW heavyweight title of the world. Um, I would not be surprised because this matchup ended in a no contest. So it was a good matchup, but it ended prematurely. But overall, I thought this is a vast improvement over the last show I went to. Maybe it was because I actually knew the guys this time around, so I was able to engage in the action a little bit more, if you know what I mean. I was marking out much more on this show show than I was on the last show that I went to last month. Even still. Um, It was a very fun time, though. I ended up getting a Christian Cage and Kurt Angle action figure. I mean, 18-year-old with an action figure might be a little old for that, but they were only 8 bucks, so give me a break. Um, I had a blast, though. Very fun time. Looking forward to attending the next show on December 6th, if I do attend. Like I said before, though, um, December 6th, right here in Beverly at the Cove Community Center, for those of you that are in the area, only a mile down the road from where Endicott College is, so make sure to check it out. It's a very fun time. You won't regret it, I promise you. And for further information on NECW, which I did write in, no, I didn't write an article about them for this week's Endicott Observer. That was the Alchemini event. But anyways, uh, for more information on NECW, make sure to check out their official website at necw.tv. And check them out on YouTube at New England Championship Wrestling for their full shows in, in their entirety. And maybe you can check yours truly sitting on the side during the shows. So going to take a brief break here. Um... I don't know, I'll just play a quick tune for you while I take a quick break. You know, I'll give you um, a little preview of the new entrance music of Tyson Kidd that he debuted this past Monday night on Monday Night Raw. Uh, You know what, actually, mm, I'll play Jeff Hardy's new theme, actually. It's not his new theme, but um, it's on his new DVD, or his new CD, rather, that it was just released last Thursday. Um, I'm a fan of Jeff Hardy's music. I know a lot of people may not be. I'm a fan of Jeff Hardy in general, but... I, I like his music, too. So, um, you know, we'll check a little preview at Jeff Hardy's new song called Every Other Day on his new CD, Plurity, Plurity? I'm, I'm sorry for botching that. Plurity of Worlds in stores now. Same old. 
Yeah, I don't know the words. I'm sorry. I'm just kind of humming along. I kind of like the song. I like it. I just listened to it for the first time today. I saw the music video. It's on uh, TNA's official YouTube channel, so check that out. Um, I liked it, though. I thought it was pretty cool. So, again, that's Jeff Hardy's new CD, In Stores Now. It's also on iTunes, so make sure to check it out. Very talented individual. Actually just advanced in the TNA title tournament last week. Um, I'll talk a little about TNA after I review Raw. But, um, yeah, speaking of which, Raw last night, November 11th. 2013, not live, but it was taped earlier on in the day from the United Kingdom. So um, that was pretty good. Um, I've always enjoyed England as a wrestling crowd. They've always been a very, very hot crowd. But, um, you know, that being said, though, overall, I thought it was a decent show. Wasn't really anything fantastic except for the main event, but that's why I'm here, baby. I'm here to review the show in its entirety. Kicking it off, we had the WWE champion Randy Orton. Disclaiming control of Raw for the night with, because it was announced earlier on in the show that Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, collectively known as The Authority, took the night off and were taking a vacation. So Randy Orton, by um, by de facto, was the de facto face in charge, I, I, I guess, since he's the WWE champion in the face of the WWE. So then we had Brad Maddox come out, and then we had Kane come out, the new director of operations. And then we had Vicky Guerrero come out. And Vicky Guerrero, may I mind you, is the general manager of SmackDown. This is Raw. And the only reason why her decision ended up going was because she got the last word in. Because here, we had Brad Maddox saying that Randy Orton should go one-on-one with Cody Rhodes. <coughs> Kane said, no, 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 no. You go one-on-one with Goldust. Vicky Guerrero comes out and says... No, 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 no. You're going to go two-on-one with the WWE Tag Team Champions of the World, Cody Rhodes and Goldust. So, I don't know why Kane doesn't have any more power than Vicky, or even Brad for that matter. This is Brad's show. Vicky is in charge of SmackDown, not Raw, so that didn't make any sense. Honestly, I couldn't care less about the power struggle in WWE anyway. But I, I just thought I'd mention that. I'm not going to go on a rant about it because, like I said, couldn't care less. But anyway, that leads into our first matchup of the night, handicap matchup, Randy Orton versus Cody Rhodes in Goldust handicap action. It was good while it lasted. It went through one commercial break. Goldust got dominated for most of the matchup. Cody Rhodes ended up tagging in, tagged back to Goldust, and Randy Orton got himself counted out. Um, so I, I would have liked to see more from these two, but it was kind of a lose-lose situation because Orton should not have been able to overcome the odds in a handicap situation, especially since we saw Cena do it later on in the night. Um, so we shouldn't have seen the tag team champions lose, and Orton shouldn't have been pinned mere days or mere weeks, I should say, before his title defense at Survivor Series against the Big Show. So it was a lose-lose situation. Someone had to lose. It was Randy Orton, but via countout, so it protected him in his loss. So like I said, decent matchup to kick off the show, but I was a little let down by what we ended up getting. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm still a little sick from a few days ago, so um, please pardon my sickness. Up next, though, we had Santino and Los Metadores taking on the Union Jacks. Now, this is just 3MB sporting English attire. Um, I don't know why the heels would be doing that. We saw Fandango do the same thing later on in the night, but um, I'm just sick. Sick to death of seeing Los Matadores face 3MB in six-person action. I've lost track of how many times we've seen this matchup over the last month and a half. So disgusted with it. Can we please move on from this feud, please? Why can we not move on from this feud? 3MB are jokes. Granted, the crowd took a liking to them because they were wearing their colors, the Union Jack on this show. But why? The matchup was fine. Santino... I don't know. I didn't. I never thought I would say this, but Santino was the highlight of this matchup. He wore, he was wearing a little bull thing, um, a, a bull headband, because you know with El Torito, you know, it's kind of fitting. <coughs> and the Cobra had a little bull on too, and he ended up pulling that out to hit the Cobra on one of the members of 3MB. So that was pretty cool. Now I thought that was comical. Got a little chuckle out of me. I'll admit. But, you know, aside from that, this matchup served no, served no sense at all. Served no purpose. But um, even still, Los Matadores, like I've said time and time again, are already bored with them. They're just so overexposed by this point. Have no 
purpose in WWE. They had that one brief feud with the Real Americans. Now that that's over, and they have they serve no purpose. So can we please move on from the tiresome three MB feud and either release them or have them go back to being Primo and Epico? Because this is just ridiculous. Moving right along here, we had Damian Sandow taking on Kofi Kingston in one-on-one action. We saw this matchup back at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view a few weeks ago. This matchup was probably uh, not as good as that one, and even that one wasn't all that great. So this is your basic matchup from Kingston and Sandow. Sandow ended up going over in a report that circulated on all the internet dirt sheets, all the internet wrestling dirt sheets after the show, indicated that this was the first step and Sandow's push as a single superstar. I took that with a grain of salt, if only because two weeks ago, this guy was cashing in his Money in the Bank briefcase, albeit unsuccessfully, but he had a very strong showing against John Cena. Like I said, I'm fine with Sandow losing that world title matchup because, let's face it, Sandow is not over right now as a heel, so having putting the world title on him would not have done him or the world championship any favors. So I'm fine that he didn't. I'm fine with the fact that he did not win the world title, but it would have helped WWE to continue his momentum by continuing to push him. But he hasn't won a match since then. He competed in two six-man tag team matches with the Real Americans against Cena and the Rhodes Brothers last week on an episode of SmackDown. And then three days later on Raw, both great matches. He lost both times. And apparently his feud with Cena ended there because he went back to facing Kingston. And the dirt sheet said that his win over Kingston indicated that this is the first step in uh, being pushed as a top guy. Uh, the last time I checked, Kofi Kingston wasn't a top guy. And if beating Kofi Kingston means you're a top guy, then that means 75% of the roster right now is a top guy in WWE. Uh, I'm looking at you, Santino, and I'm sure you own a victory over Kofi Kingston. Is, is, isn't Santino a top guy? Does that make Kali a top guy? Does that make Heath Slater a top guy? It's ridiculous. Whatever, though. Um, decent matchup, but they should definitely do more with Damian Sandow as for Kofi Kingston. I stopped caring about him a long, long time ago. Up next, for the Intercontinental Championship, we had Curtis Axel putting his gold up for grabs against... The man who he lost to last week, Dolph Ziggler. Um, really enjoyed this matchup. Surprisingly enough, I think the crowd was what made it the most entertaining. Um, was the most, it was the best part about this matchup. Surprisingly, they were very much into the matchup. Curtis Axel, of course, received no reaction when he first entered the arena. Dolph Ziggler, quite the opposite. He is very, very over. Like I said last week, though, it doesn't look like WWE has doesn't have any idea how to book this guy right now, so I'm not surprised that he lost. But it was cleanly, so it was a good win for Axel. But any momentum that he that he got from this matchup and this clean win and the successful title defense was a race later on when he was put to sleep via the GTS from CM Punk. So that was a waste. But, you know, aside from that, though, Curtis Axel, I, like I said in the past, I'm a supporter of the guy. I like him. I think he has potential. I think WWE just does not know how to book him right now. Um, he started off strong when he came in as Curtis Axel back in May, and he got victories over Jericho, Triple H, John Cena, the list goes on and on and on. But they haven't done much with him since then. They've treated his reign as IC champion as a joke, as a glorified joke. Granted, his match with Ziggler was good, but they could have built on the feud a little bit, you know? Had they built this up a little bit, gave some more steam to the feud, and put this championship match on the line in on the pre-show at Survivor Series, I would have had no problem with it at all. Unfortunately, though, they gave it away on this show. I was fine with it, though, because, like I said before, the England crowd was very hot for the matchup. Axel went over. They gave him a little bit more reaction than they did when he first entered, so that's good to see. <coughs> but um, even still, though, where Curtis Axel goes from here, I have zero idea. Where Ziggler goes from here, I have zero idea. But uh, I did notice this during the course of the broadcast last, last night. Just a little fun fact for you folks. Um, the IC Championship has been defended in England on WWE programming every year, at least once, since 2008. Check it out. 2008, William Regal defeated Santino Morella on the November 10th, 2008 edition of Monday Night Raw in Manchester, I think it was, to win the Intercontinental title for the second time in his career. Personally, one of my favorite moments, because Regal's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. The following year, 2009, 
Damian, not Damian Sandow, what the heck am I saying? John Morrison successfully retained his Intercontinental Championship against Dolph Ziggler in England on SmackDown 2010. Uh, when was it in 2010? Uh, when was it? Oh, yeah, also on SmackDown, Dolph Ziggler, a year after contending for the IC title on SmackDown, successfully defended his IC Championship against MVP. 2011, Wade Barrett successfully defended his IC title against Kofi Kingston on SmackDown in April of 2011 in England. All of these are in England, of course. 2012, Kofi Kingston successfully defended his Intercontinental Championship against The Miz on an edition of Super SmackDown in 2012 of November. And, of course, last night, Curtis Axel successful in retaining his IC title against Dolph Ziggler in England. So I don't know if WWE feels obligated to put the title on the line in England every time they go there, but I'm all for it. It helps bring back some prestige to the uh, IC Championship. Moving right along here, we had Tamina Snuka taking on Nikki Bella. Decent matchup. Tamina Snuka went over, thankfully, after the loss, after the embarrassing loss to Eva Marie last week. And they didn't even follow that up. They didn't even follow that up this week, which is very shocking. I was hoping that we'd see... Some sort of follow-up with Tamina Snuka destroying Eva Marie in some form or fashion, getting her vengeance over her in the process. We didn't see that on this show for some reason. I don't know why. Eva Marie has no value. She's gorgeous. Yes, she's gorgeous. But she has no in-ring talent at all, so why protect her? Don't make a sex joke out of that for those of you listening live. Anyway, um, it was a fine matchup. Tamina Snuka ended up going over clean. After the matchup, Brie makes a save, knocks out both AJ and Tamina, saving her sister in the process. So, I don't know if the feud between AJ and Brie is officially over yet. It looked that way a few weeks ago, after Natalia forced AJ to submit in a tag team match, and I thought she would be the next number one contender, and technically she is, because AJ is putting her title on the line against Natalia on an episode of Main Event tonight, uh, I'm sorry, tomorrow night on Wednesday. Um, so that should be a fun matchup, but I don't really want to see, I'd rather see Natalia and AJ feud than Brie going back for the championship for the fourth time. Cause remember she came up short of winning the gold at night of champions in September. She lost to AJ at the battleground pay-per-view. She lost to AJ again at the hell in a cell pay-per-view. So what will make fans think that she has a, a chance in hell of defeating AJ for the gold this time around? And that's the problem. The matches they've had were good, but they weren't fantastic to the point where I want to see a rematch. So I guess we'll see come Survivor Series. Up next, we had Fondango taking on Tyson Kidd. Kind of a disappointing matchup from these two. I expected more from them. They were only given a few minutes, so I blame more of the time constraints than the, than the performers themselves. But um, it didn't really help that Tyson Kidd, he has a new entrance music now. He has a new entrance theme. That's good. He's back as a babyface. In the corner of his wife, Natalia, legitimate and in storyline. So that's cool to see. But putting him in the ring against Fandango in England, I don't think was the best idea. If only for the fact that Fandango is crazy over in England. That was um, obviously the case earlier this year when WWE was touring overseas. And Fandango, the whole Fandango, uh, the Fandango chant, the Fandangoing, the da-da-da. Da, 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 da. And you can't see it right now, but I'm doing the little finger thing in the air as I chant along the Fandango's entrance theme. But anyways, that's why Fandango was so over in England, because of that little chant. And he was crazy over on Raw this past week. And having him win against Tyson Kidd, I don't think was the best idea either. Tyson Kidd probably would have been booed, so maybe it was for the better. But just wrong choice of uh, location to do this matchup because Fandango was the uh, fan favorite in this one. Tyson Kidd has a lot of potential to be a great single star. Just WWE needs to book him correctly and he's not off on the right foot right now. So hopefully, like I mentioned last week, he's been put or he will be put in the IC title picture um, at some point in the next few months against Curtis Axel because like I said last week, those two could have excellent matches together. Up next on Monday Night Raw from England, we had John Cena taking on the Real American Handicap match. Of course, being the typical Super Cena that he is, John Cena went over. Entertaining matchup. I didn't really mind the fact that Cena went over because 
you know, he is a world heavyweight champion. And the fact that uh, he's going to be putting the gold up for grabs in a few weeks at Survivor Series. So I didn't see him losing here. But um, it is a shame that the Real Americans had to be the one, had to be the team that had to be squashed. They weren't squashed, but they were on the losing end of a match where they should have had the advantage. Um, They defeated the tag team champions Cody Rhodes and Goldust in non-title action a few weeks ago. So I don't think they should be booked this poorly uh, so soon. So they looked good in defeat. Don't get me wrong. They looked good in defeat last week when they lost to Cena and his and uh, and his buddies in the six-man tag team match, Cody Rhodes and Goldust. But uh, now that they're losing to him in two-on-one action, I don't know about that. I mean, like I said, entertaining matchup, just it didn't make much sense. Um, there was a plethora of handicap matches on the show. Like I, I'm going to mention this in a few minutes, but there was also one on the main event. I don't know why. Maybe it's a heel thing, but I've grown so sick of handicap matches. That and gauntlet matches over the last few months, those matches have been so overdone that I... Just cringe. I just cringe every time I hear the announcement of a handicap match every uh, every time on WWE programming nowadays. But even still, Cena gets the better of the Real Americans only for Del Rio to attack him. Then Biggie Langston made the save to which uh, to the liking of the English crowd. So at least Biggie Langston's getting over nicely with the WWE universe. That's nice to see. He has great potential, and that led into a match with Alberto Del Rio later on in the night, which I'll get to in a minute. But before that, we had R Truth versus Ryback. R Truth picked up the upset victory. Why? I have no idea. Um, it's either a they're just done with Ryback. They've killed this character. They killed this character like a year ago. At this point, they're just kicking a dead horse. But um. Even still, I find it mind-boggling that Ryback would job to R-Truth unless they were intended to launch um, an, a new R-Truth resurrection or start pushing him again, which I don't think is the case. Then why bother having R-Truth go over Ryback? Um, unless they're trying to tell the story because later on Paul Heyman um, officially cut ties with Ryback, so maybe they're going to turn him back babyface. But even then, I don't know if he's going to get over as the same way that he was over with the WWE Universe with the Feed Me More chance earlier this year and late last year. But only time will tell if they do go that direction. But aside from that, if they just did this just to spite Ryback, then it's a shame because the guy's very talented and they've buried him to the point of no return, which, again, like I said, is a massive shame. Like I mentioned before, Del Rio and Langston going one-on-one on the show. Decent matchup, didn't last very long. Langston looked good in defeat, but there was no way that he was pitting the number one contender to the world championship on this show. So I was not at all surprised he ended up losing. But I think it'd be better just to have him beat enhancement talent at this point in time rather than lose to the top stars of the WWE, which does nothing for him. So like I said, had a strong showing against Del Rio. I just don't know how smart it was to have him lose within three minutes. So hopefully they get back on track with Biggie Langston, give him back or give him a championship. The U.S. IC doesn't really matter um, as long as he's doing something relatively soon. Like I mentioned before, Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman making his return Raw, addressing the WWE Universe. Um, he looked all beaten up. CM Punk made his way down to the ring for his matchup. Ended up attacking Curtis Axel and laying out Paul Heyman again with a kendo stick. So hopefully this writes off Paul Heyman off of television for the foreseeable future. And he comes back with a vengeance with Brock Lesnar in his corner. And thus we get uh, Lesnar versus Punk number two at WrestleMania 30. I would love to see that. That'd be fantastic. The Heyman and Punk feud was entertaining. I think it dragged down a little too long. And Punk didn't have any... Strong opponents towards the end of the feud and Curtis Axel and Ryback. But with Lesnar coming back, I think it'd be fantastic if they rekindled that rivalry in early of 2014. Then, of course, we had our main event, Daniel Bryan and CM Punk tag teaming to take on the Shield in handicap action, two-on-three tag team matchup here. An IWC dream match. Remember, this was Debray, CM Punk, and Seth Rollins, and John Moxley. A.K.A. Dean Ambrose, all around, all in the same time. CM Punk, this is his first ever encounter with the Shield. I mean, they've had segments in the past, and it was even a year ago at Survivor Series that the Shield helped CM Punk retain his WWE Championship and keep his 434-day reign as WWE title as WWE Champion intact. But uh, this is the first time that CM Punk went uh, went to battle with the Shield inside the ring, so that was very exciting. And then 
So over the course of the matchup, Punk and Brian get the better of the shield only for the lights to go out. Once Ambrose is locked in the Anaconda Vice at the hands of CM Punk, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, what do you know? The lights go out. Out comes the Wyatt family, and a right appearing right in the middle of the ring is Luke Harper and Eric Rowan, Bray Wyatt at ringside. And then when the lights go back on, the Shield and the Wyatt family in the ring for the first time together in history. So that was awesome. And then CM Punk shoves Seth Rollins into Eric Young. And it's such a shame that, that my computer is being a complete jerk right now. I, I want to swear, but I'm going to refrain myself here. Um, I want to play that audio clip. I was smiling when I was watching earlier today. It was the first time I marked out in quite a while. But um, it was just fantastic. I mean, CM Punk shoves Seth Rollins into one of the Wyatt brothers. So they get pissed off. They start brawling with one another. Eric Rowan and Luke Harper go right after Seth Rollins and Dean and Ambrose. The English crowd, as hot as they were, got out of their seats. The arena came unglued. Nat ringside, Bray Wyatt, and Roman Reigns went at it. And this brawl lasted all of maybe 20 seconds. But for what it was, it was freaking awesome. Definitely one of the best markout moments I've had in a long, long time. I mentioned this in a post on Facebook right after Raw ended, but I think the last time I legit marked out like I did at the end of Raw last night was when Randy Orton turned heel after turning on Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam this past year. That was three freaking months ago, people. WWE hasn't given us anything to get marked out about, to get excited about since SummerSlam. That's pathetic. But hopefully this was the... uh, this was a turning point for that, as we saw the Wyatt family and the Shield get it on for the first time. That was awesome. The crowd went crazy. They were chanting, this is awesome. Jerry Lawler got enthusiastic on commentary for the first time since the Attitude Era. It was freaking amazing. So like I said, it's a shame my computer's being a jerk right now. I can't play the clip. I'll have to go back, I'll have to go back and watch it after the show ends, after I'm done uh, doing WrestleRant Radio. And you can go check it out too. But, um... Even still. So they're brawling and whatever, but then they realize that they have a common enemy and CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. They stop brawling, go back after them, and then what do you know? Out to make the save are the Uso brothers and Cody Rhodes and Goldust. So that was awesome. They, the faces get the better of the heels, and to close the show, they start posing and doing their own thing. So that was awesome. Fantastic ending to a rather forgettable edition of Monday Night Raw. Um, the England crowd, I thought, was the highlight of the show. They're always in an electric environment. Looking forward to SmackDown in England this upcoming Friday. That should be great. But um, I was a little disappointed that we didn't get Wade Barrett or William Regal or even Layla on the show. All British natives. From what I read, Wade Barrett and William Regal were in the dark match before the show went live. But um, it's a shame they never actually appeared on the show. Especially since Wade Barrett hasn't been seen in England or hasn't been seen on WWE TV. Since I think August, so it's been about three months since we last seen Barra on TV. But um, even still, if that was to plant the seeds for a Wyatt Family Shield matchup at WrestleMania 30, then I'm all for it. I think there's money in the Shield turning face. Um, right now, they still have a lot of potential, have a lot of untapped potential as heels. But uh, going forward, though, I think if they were to turn face around Royal Rumble Elimination Chamber time to feud with the Wyatt Family... And then they start playing mind games with the members of the Shield, and they all turn against one another. And Roman Reigns turns face, or whoever turns face, whoever turns face, I don't really care. But whoever turns face or whatever, they lead to the breakup of the Shield. The matchup itself at WrestleMania 30 could be phenomenal if they book it correctly. But I love the fact this helped plant the seeds for that, or for what's to come in coming months. So overall, like I said, decent episode of Raw. The crowd made the show worth watching. Everything else is kind of garbage, except for the main event, especially the post-match segment. And as far as build for Survivor Series goes, it was terrible. Um, I am not looking forward to Survivor Series at all. I'm so, 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 so happy I did not buy tickets to Survivor Series. I have zero intentions of watching uh, Big Show contender for the WWE title in the main event of a pay-per-view in 2013 against Randy Orton. But, uh... Anyways, CM Punk and D-Bry versus the Wyatt Brothers was confirmed for the Survivor Series card. So maybe we'll get more people added to that match come next week on Raw. And hopefully we get more matches added to the card as well. Because right now the card looks weak as heck. 
But um, even still, folks, thanks for joining me. It's been a very fun night here on WrestleRant Radio. One last time for all my cheap plugs. Make sure to check out my website at nextarawrestling.weebly.com for all the WWE, TNA, rumors, recaps, and more. Make sure to check out all my photos from the NECW event that I attended this past Saturday night on the Next Era Wrestling website as well. Make sure to check out my exclusive interviews with the stars of the wrestling world at WrestleRantRadio.Podbean.com. Check out the official app for WrestleRant Radio, or the podcast version. Just go to WrestleRantRadio.Podbean.com on your mobile device. Check the, uh, on Safari, not Chrome. Check the little arrow and download it to your homepage of your smartphone, and you will be notified of when new interviews are up. Listen to the repeat of WrestleRant Radio on Saturday nights at 8 o'clock Eastern Time, 7 Central Time. Check me out on YouTube. Subscribe to me there. Like my videos. Comment. That's where I post excerpts of WrestleRant Radio, so make sure to check that out. Um, and that will be at Graham, GS, and Matthew, so just search me there. You can check me out on Bleacher Report, searching just by simply searching Graham, GS, and Matthews. And also make sure to like my official Facebook page at Graham, GS, and Matthews. Give it a like on the road to 300. Um, really do appreciate all the support. Really means a lot, guys. Really, really does. So like I said before, we got one more show until the Thanksgiving break. And that will be next Tuesday. We'll be... We'll be previewing Survivor Series. I will be gone the following week, um, the following Tuesday, and I don't know about the Tuesday after that. Let's see. We've got the 19th next week, which I will be here for. The week after, I will be gone. The week after, I will be back. So next week, make sure to tune in live for a Survivor Series preview show. It's going to be amazing. And thanks for listening live, folks. This is Graham GSM Matthews signing out. Till next time, folks. As you know it.